0: Who's ready for the word today? All right, now you got it. All right, we're going to open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. Book of Genesis, chapter 32. And we're going to read a short little story here about Jacob. And Jacob has an encounter with God. And we're going to see a couple of very important lessons that I believe the Lord is wanting to to speak to us about today. So let's begin in verse 22. It says, And he arose that night, he is Jacob, and he took his two wives, that's interesting, huh. <laughs> pause, two wives, and his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford, of, the ford of Jabbok, and he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man, notice the capital M in man, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he, the man, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was put out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go, get this, unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask my name And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penuel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him as he limped on his hip. Let's pray together one more time. Father, I just ask you right now, in Jesus' name, that you would anoint me. And that Your Holy Spirit would move in this place today. We invite You to be, just move powerfully among us. We yield to You. We surrender to You. And we say, have Your way fully in this place today. That we would leave here, God, in a more strengthened state in our inner man, in our spirit man, than when we walked in. By the work of Your Spirit and not by our own might or our own strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Love this story, and of course Jacob is one of our more popular characters in the Bible. Jacob had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel, Um, and he was an interesting dude, oh Jacob. He had some really powerful encounters, experiences with God. We're seeing one here in this story we just read that we're going to breakdown today. There was another situation earlier in Genesis where Jacob had a a dream a vision where there was a ladder coming down out of heaven and there were angels ascending and descending on that ladder And he ended up calling the name of that place Bethel which is house of the Lord so he had some real powerful encounters but he was also a guy who made some mistakes and did some things wrong and He went about some things uh, using his own methods, his own devices and tactics that ultimately did cause him some harm. But in the end, as we're going to see today, there was a a shift that occurred and there was something in Jacob that changed that caused him to really be able to prevail and that's where I want to take us today. Let me just sort of give you the direction that we're headed. Is that I have a heart, and I believe that this is God's purpose for, our church, for the church and for the body of Christ at large, especially in our generation today, is that we are raising up a group of people, a group of believers, who are not faint-hearted Christians. Faint-hearted, quick to weary, quick to give in that we are raising up people who are strong who are resilient and who are persistent in laying hold of the great things that God has prepared for us. When I was younger, I uh, listened to a lot of music and rock bands in the 90s and 2000s and uh, one of the phrases or terms that we used to have, Cam, I don't know if you guys still use this today, is called one-hit wonder. Anybody ever remember that? One-hit wonder. What was that? It was like a band or an artist. You know, They'd come out with a really cool song, real catchy tune, and you'd think it was great. And then after that, it was like they just disappeared. They faded off into the background, and you never heard from them again. They were kind of like one-hit wonders where they, they flashed in and they flashed out. And uh, let me say this, that when it comes to our walk of faith with God, You need to know this. You need to understand that there are going to be seasons in your life. There are going to be times in your life and things that God has planned for you, great things that He has prepared for you, that are only going to be fulfilled through a season or a time of persistence and perseverance. Not... Some sort of casual approach or coming to God, praying one little prayer, and then kind of going away and expecting something to happen after that. Now God does move that way, and there are times where it happens, but this what I'm trying to say is that you need to know this, you need to be equipped with this, that in your walk with God and fulfilling your destiny, you're gonna have times where you're going to have to dig your heels in persist in prayer, and stay the course for a period of time, maybe days, weeks, months, possibly years, I don't know, but the mindset is until the breakthrough happens, until it comes. And there are times where we see people, you know, will go and they'll pray a prayer, and then they'll kind of go away and nothing happens, and then they have this attitude where they're very just downtrodden. Kind of like this, oh, you know, I prayed about it and nothing happened. I guess it's not God's will and I don't know, I don't understand. And Not to come against that so harshly, but I try to see the spirit behind the words a lot of times. And many cases you can see that there's almost like a defeated spirit. Are you with me? Behind those types of words. It's almost like we've kind of given in. We've sort of thrown in the towel. We, we prayed and we're saying the things we're supposed to say, but we don't really think it's going to happen anymore. When in reality, the way that we see God calling us to live this life of, of prayer and steadfastness is that as things intensify in our lives, as challenges increase, the resistance increases that our countermeasure of prayer of faith of digging in and and continuing down that road with god it actually intensifies even more than the opposition that it's facing we come against that with authority and with strength and we don't cower down or get kind of a defeated mentality Because something isn't happening right away in the moment. Is everybody with me so far? And there's going to be many things in our life that are going to have to be seized. They're going to have to be laid hold of in that way and in that fashion. So Jacob, he's coming to this place called Penuel. And here's the the breakdown. Jacob, when he was born, he was a twin. His parents were Isaac and Rebekah. And Rebekah had twins in her womb. One was Esau, and the other was Jacob. Now, Esau was the older of the two. He came out first. Now, in tradition, the older son would receive what's called the firstborn blessing, which was the prominent blessing of the patriarch's inheritance. All the children would be blessed, but the firstborn would receive the, the primary blessing. And so, Jacob... Years earlier, before this event we just read about, he actually realizes and senses that it's his destiny to actually be the the lineage that the blessing of Abraham and Isaac passes on through, through Jacob and his lineage. It was actually spoken by God earlier. He said that the older brother will serve the younger So it was declared by God that Jacob would already be the one who the blessing would pass through. But he does something earlier in his life that he is taking matters into his own hands and he deceptively tricks his father Isaac into blessing him instead of his brother Esau. So what happens is Isaac is old in years, he can't see very well, And he says, I'm getting ready to die. And so he tells Esau, the firstborn son, go out and go go kill some animals because Esau was a hunter and he prepared great stew. He said, go make me some of that stew and come back in after you've killed the animal, prepared the stew, and then because I'm getting ready to die, I'm going to bless you. So Jacob figures out that this is happening. Now, the name Jacob, get this, it means deceiver or supplanter. And so Jacob gets this idea, he conspires with his mother, Rebekah, and Esau, he was evidently kind of like a hairy man. He looked a little like John, you know, big bushy beard. No, I'm just kidding. He was much hairier than that. He had, uh, he had so much hair that Jacob took goat skin with hair of goats on it and actually patched it or, I guess, glued it or however, onto his hands and the back of his neck. And then he put some of Esau's clothes on And he went in and Isaac couldn't see real well. And so he acted like he was Esau. And Isaac thought something was up at first, but then he he ended up getting tricked and fooled. And he ended up blessing Jacob with the firstborn blessing. And you've got to realize that once that blessing was bestowed upon the son, it was irrevocable. It had passed through. So Esau comes back from the hunt and he figures out, like the gig is up, right, what happened. And he's furious. And Jacob is scared to death. Esau was probably a bigger guy. He probably could have whipped him. You know, kind of like I could whip Kendall. Pretty similar situation, right? (laughs) And so Jacob... Sit down. (laughs) So Jacob, he ends up fleeing from this area of the, the promised land where they're in, in Israel. And he goes to the east into the land of Padam Aram for 20 years. He's there seven years while he labors for his wife Rachel, ends up getting Leah, because the deceiver got deceived, right? Laban ended up tricking Jacob and gave him the wrong wife. And then he labored another seven years for Rachel, so we're at 14. And then he served Laban for another six, so he was gone 20 years, and now he's finally coming back to his father's land, of his ancestors, of his heritage, and of his inheritance. And as he's coming into the land, he knows this thing with Esau has to get dealt with. Because it's been all this time, but it never was really resolved. He fleed, and Esau was furious. So Jacob sends his servants over to go meet Esau, and talk to him, and let him know that he's coming. And the servants come back, and Jacob says, what did he say? They're like, oh, he's coming, and he's bringing 400 men. (laughs) Now, that might not look like an appealing situation. Jacob is fearful. He's worried now that something is going to happen to him. Evidently, Esau hasn't just let this thing go. Now, little did he know, Esau wasn't bringing 400 men to try and annihilate him. He was actually so excited to see his brother and have a reunion that he was coming with an entourage as like a celebration. But Jacob didn't know that. He thought he was getting ready uh, to be killed. And so he has this moment in this night that we opened up in our story, in Genesis chapter 32, where he's there by himself, by this brook, before he crosses over into the promised land. And it says that he meets a man who he ends up wrestling with all night long until the break of day. Now, I'm not going to get into this in deep detail, but this man, most theologians would agree, is actually a representation of God. It's not just an angel, it's actually what the Bible also calls in other places the angel of the Lord, which is a pre-incarnate Christ. So it's an angelic form of God, it's called a theophany, where he appears in angelic form, and it's a pre-incarnate Christ. Joshua had an experience similar to this. In Joshua chapter 5 or 6, before he went into Jericho, there was a man there, and he said, Hey, who are you? Are you with us or against us? He said, No, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua sat down and worshipped him. And that person allowed Joshua to worship him. Any other time in the Bible where angels appeared and were mistaken for God, men tried to worship them and they made them stop and asked them to stand to their feet. The angel of the Lord did not do this with Joshua. So I say that because you need to recognize that this encounter that Jacob has, this wrestling moment that he has is an example of a a moment with God where he persists and perseveres all night long in this wrestling match. It says that God saw he was not going to give up. And what's funny is Jacob at this time is like a hundred years old. And I mean, think of that. He's a hundred years old and he's I mean he's getting into a wrestling match, right? I mean, he's breaking out the moves, arm drag, you know, he's got all that going on. Grandpa, come up here for just a second. I want to demonstrate. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I mean, the dude is 100. Yeah, he probably could take me. I did it to another guy last service. And he, Bill, I did it to Bill last service. He's like, you know, I was in the military for five years. I'm just saying, like, I'm glad I didn't do it. So the dude's 100 years old. He's wrestling with God, it says, all night long. And God ended up having to touch his hip. And it knocked his hip out of socket. And Jacob still didn't let go. I mean, dude was wrestling with a gimp at hundred years old and he's not letting go. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I, uh... But he said something that's very powerful. He said, I'm not letting go until what? Until you bless me. You see, all of the sudden, Jacob realized that what he was up against... Even though he was the rightful heir of this inheritance that God had planned for him, up until this moment, he had tried to lay hold of that through all of his own devices, his own wit, and his own cunning plans. And it had all brought him to where he was now. And he realized that he was desperate for something that only God could give him. Which was a blessing that he needed to receive from the Lord. And what he was prepared to do was grab on to God and wrestle with him to the point that he was not going to let go until the blessing came. And God looked at it and said, he saw that he wasn't gonna prevail against Jacob, that Jacob was not going to let go. There is a true picture of resilience, persistence, and perseverance. Listen, Jacob was a messed up man. He had a bad past, he made a lot of mistakes, but in this moment, he realizes that he needs something from God that he can only get from Him, and if he doesn't lay hold of that, if he doesn't receive that, then he's dead meat where he's headed. But if he gets the blessing, then he knows that he can trust everything is going to come out exactly as the Lord has planned for him. And he's not... He's not willing to let go until he receives that. Can I say this? I just think too many times we get in a place where we pray for something, we seek God for something, and then it doesn't happen and we let go. Or maybe we get our hip knocked out of socket and we experience a little bit of trouble and pain and then we we quit and we don't stay in the fight. And God is looking for people who will stay the course. He's looking for people who will press in. I don't fully understand this, but I know that God knows better than I do. And there are moments in my life, there are moments in your life, seasons, that will require persistence and perseverance. You will not make them in a one-hit wonder. They will not be laid hold of quickly. They will need to be pressed through in order to seize. And for whatever reason, God in His infinite wisdom understands in those pressing in moments, in those seasons, that He is able to do a deeper work in us. If we'll stay the course and not let go, that is ultimately better for us in the long run, probably than that which we're trying to lay hold of anyway. It's a deep work that He's all about. You see, the name Jacob means deceiver. And God asked him, what's your name? Now, can I just make a point? God knows the answer to the question. Anytime God or Jesus ask a question in the scriptures, we already know they know the answer. There's a reason they're asking it. He wants to hear him say it. He says, what's your name? Jacob. What's your name? Deceiver. Up until this point, yes, big, par- big purpose for my life, a destiny over my life but I've been using my own methods to try to bring it to pass. Deceiver. And God says, that's not your name anymore. That's not it. I'm changing your name. Your name from now on is Israel. Now, you may not know this. That is where the nation of Israel got its name, was when Jacob's name was changed. And Israel means to strive with or to persevere with God. God saw and said, there's something that just shifted in you tonight. Something has changed. And you're no longer going to try to lay hold of this destiny that I have for you by your own devices. But now you're willing to persist and persevere and lay hold of it only by, by staying the course until I bring the blessing to pass in your life. Now you understand the method that you needed to understand to lay hold of the destiny that you had already sort of seen. And so there's this awesome experience for Jacob, and he persists all night long, and then God ends up blessing him. We were down at the lake for Memorial Day, and our kids, you know, we're teaching them how to fish and all that. And my youngest daughter, Liza, she's five. I think sometimes we underestimate, like, how much kids are capable of And, I mean, I didn't think, you know, I'm trying to show her how to use the pole and all that. Well, she goes down on the dock early in the morning. And she stays down there for hours and does not stop fishing. She just continues to cast, continues to cast. I mean, I'm watching her, and she's just diligent, like, unrelenting. And the kids are like, Liza, come up, you know, it's time to eat. She's like, no, bring me my food down. And so Evie, her older sister, brings her her food down to the dock and she stays down there. This is after lunchtime. She's still down there. And all of a sudden, we hear this screaming off of the dock. Now, that's not typically a good sign at first, right, at the lake. I mean, there's six kids. You start counting heads. There's Katie and then there's I, so there's four eyes. You know, you do the math. It's like, it's always trouble. But I quickly look down, I see it's Liza screaming, she's got her life jacket on, everything's okay, and she's got her pole, and her pole is bent over. And she's screaming, dad, dad, I can't lift it up! And it's just flopping around the top, she's got it all the way up and she can't get it out, And just right there, so I come running down, and finally I get it out, and she caught this nice size white bass, like 12, 13 inches, and it's like, a five year old, I'm blown away by this, you know? And she's so excited, you know, and pumped up, and she's like, tells me afterwards, she's like, Dad, I wasn't going to quit until I got it. I wasn't going to leave until I got it. And I knew that I I was pretty sure I was going to preach this message on Sunday, but I knew at that moment this is definitely the message that I'm preaching on Sunday. Because she she was willing to stay there as long as it took until she saw the outcome that she was wanting to see. And I think... A lot of people that don't like fishing, in a lot of cases, they'll go out and what do they do? They'll cast their line in four or five times. Yeah? Just how many... Yeah? A few of you out there. Okay. Pray for you. Anyway. (laughs) Four or five times, catch nothing, reel it in. This is no fun. This is boring. But I'm telling you right now, you stay out there long enough and you catch a big one, you're hooked for life, baby. (laughs) And she, she experienced that, but you know, guys, I just... My heart is to help us to see that God needs us to approach the things that He has planned for us in this manner. When something isn't happening, when it's not coming to pass right now, but you know and you're trusting God for it to occur, don't pull out. Don't back off. Don't get a defeated mentality. I mean, if anything, dig in Dig your heels in and just begin to be more intense about the way you pray and expect God to do things. James says that the, righteous, uh, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And those words fervent and avail, when you study them, they literally mean a kind of prayer that intensifies. It gets into the fray. It sees a fight and it jumps into the fight. It says, I'll get right up in there and I'll bring something stronger than this thing's trying to come at me with. That's the kind of prayer that we're called to have in the way that we're pursuing things that God has for us. He says, intensify and strengthen in order to lay hold of the things that God is preparing for those who love Him. And there's going to be things in our life that are going to have to be seized this way. Listen to this in the book of Luke Chapter 18, uh, this is a parable that Jesus is talking about. He says here in verse 1, he spoke this parable to them and said, Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Let me pause right there for just a minute. Always ought to pray and not lose heart. What does that mean? Don't grow weary, don't faint, or don't get weaker. That's powerful. You see, and here's how you need to pray. Don't get weaker, actually get stronger. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10 says, if you, When the day of adversity comes, if you faint, then your strength is small. Wow, I'm just preaching the Bible to you right here. I mean, that's a gut check, isn't it? If you faint in the day of adversity, meaning if you give in, you throw in the towel, you act defeated get a victim mentality, throw a pity party, poor me. Your strength is small. That's what he's saying. It needs to be strengthened if that's the way, if that's the way you respond to things. Because you need to dig in and you need to pray harder and you need to intensify in the way that you're pursuing these things. So in this parable, listen, in verse 2, it says, There was a certain city and a judge in that city who did not fear God or regard man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary." And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night? Persistence pays off. Now there's a power of contrast in this parable because God is a good father and this is an unjust judge. And he's trying to make the point, if the unjust judge will reward the persistent widow because she keeps coming, how much more would a good father reward his children who he loves, who are persistent and don't relent as they pursue what God has for them. But this is what's amazing to me, is all through the Bible you see this. that you, It says, don't grow weary, don't faint in your prayer and in your persistence, but yet it says that we should continue to press in and keep praying. Why does God tell us that? Because we need to continue to pray and stay the course, but there also is because He knows that there's the threat that we will get weary. It's a real thing that we will face, and He's acknowledging that. He's telling us that and helping us to see that is a potential pitfall that He wants us to avoid. So he says don't go weary don't get weary don't let things uh, cause you to have a faint heart if anything dig in and stay the course and know that the breakthrough is coming and will come. But there're some things, guys, that just take time. They just take time. In the book of Daniel chapter 10, there's this real powerful story where Daniel is praying For the people of Israel, his people, to be released from captivity. And then a number of days goes by, and an angel appears to Daniel in a vision, and he says, when you started praying, things started happening. That day, many days before, things started happening. Angels were dispatched, and we started moving. God assigned and dispatched assignments to angels the moment you started praying. But we got held up by the prince of Persia, and Archangel Michael, he had to come to me and help assist me to fight with the prince of Persia, and now I was able to get free, and now I'm able to come to you this many days later. A prince or a principality is a a prince, an evil spirit over a region. That's what that means. That means that there was an evil spirit that the angels encountered as they were already moving and dispatched the moment that, Mike, or that Daniel started to pray. Why do I say that? Because we need to get this picture in our head that when we pray and we have faith that things are starting to happen. But days went by and Daniel didn't necessarily see what was going on. But these angels were fighting in the spirit realm with evil spirits and eventually they made it to Daniel and his prayer was heard and it was fulfilled. And we need to recognize that there are going to be things in our lives, guys, that are going to take time and we have to persist in our place of prayer and trust and faith that God is going to bring them to pass. Amen? Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 7, He said, seek and you will find. Ask, you'll receive. Knock, and it will be open. For he who asks, receives. He who knocks, it was open. And he who... What was the third one? (laughs) Ask, knock, and... Wow, you guys aren't listening at all. All right. (laughs) I just totally lost my train of thought. Wow. Seek, he who seeks will find. That was bad. So... (laughs) those verbs in the Greek if you study them ask seek and knock are actually used in the present tense what he's actually saying when you study this ask and keep asking knock and keep knocking seek and keep seeking and if you do you will find it will be open and you will receive there is a persistency to our life of prayer and our walk with God that is required of us in order to lay hold of all of the precious things that God has planned for us. And there will be seasons of our lives that will be marked by that. Listen, I'm very sensitive and mindful to the fact that there's people here, even today, right now, in this service, that have been praying for things and believing for things I'm not talking about days, I'm not talking about weeks, I'm not talking about months. I'm talking about years. Trusting God for things for years and staying the course. Can I just say, I tip my hat to you. I respect the way that you're approaching your walk of prayer and your faith journey. Because I do believe that there are those types of things that are going to happen in all of our lives at some point in time. And if we'll get weary and if we'll faint, we'll, we'll pull ourselves out of the very walk, the very journey that God is wanting to invite us down in order to bring this thing to maturity and fulfillment. And that is ultimately what we need more than anything else, is that that work is fulfilled and matured in us along the way. Is this helping anybody out there today? You know, in the book of, uh, in the book of Acts, when Jesus was departing, to go to uh, ascend back into heaven after He had appeared to the disciples and people for 40 days in resurrected form. He told them to go into the city and to wait until they were endued with power from on high. And it says that when they went into the city, they continued steadfastly in prayer and in one accord. Meaning they were prepared to stay there as long as it took as many days as it needed to be, until this promise that God had spoke to them came to pass. Now we know that that promise is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When God poured it out, they were baptized or immersed in His Spirit, and then they were endued with power from on high. Let me just say that that's something we all need in our own lives. We all need that that baptism of the Holy Spirit experience to be imbued with power from on high to walk in the fullness of the calling God has for us. But my point is, is that they were there for about seven days, but they were going to stay there as long as it possibly took until the moment that God had promised come to pass and the breakthrough happened. And here's the key. The break out... Was on the other side of that breakthrough that they had to persist in prayer until they saw it come to pass. And guys, I just, as much as I've studied the scriptures and the and the word of God, combed through it from beginning to end, I I gotta tell you, I find no evidence, no trace in any point in the Bible where God responds to those who are mildly interested casually interested in pursuing Him. It says we are to seek God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, our, all our strength. Like that's every part of you. That's, that describes a kind of pursuit that is relentless and cannot be shaken, cannot be deterred. And if we will begin to walk that way and pursue God that way, and not be faint-hearted in times of adversity, My belief and expectation is that we will begin to lay hold of many things in our destiny that we would not see come to pass if we would become faint-hearted during the process of persisting. A persistent, persevering spirit marks a believer who steps into the fullness of the destiny that God has created them for. Amen? Amen? And the last thing that I want to say is... There are going to be some times that come, and this is the hard part, when you're going to pray for things, and you're going to stay the course, and you're going to dig in, and in the end, there's going to be an outcome that isn't exactly what you were expecting. And I don't understand all of those things, the Bible does tell us that we see in part, we prophesy in part, we see through a glass dimly. When that which is perfect comes, that which is imperfect passes away. It means we have a, just a, a, a dim picture of everything right now. And so I don't understand all that stuff, but this is my question. When that occurs, what are you going to do? Because see, just a number of months ago, um, we, we lost our, our dear friend, Marla. You all know that. And I really went through a, a journey with God in this whole thing. And she battled cancer for a couple of years. And I'm just telling you, I prayed for her hundreds of times. And I'm not saying prayed like in my quiet time. I mean with her. Prayed for her. And prayed for healing, for miracle healing healing all the way up until toward the very end. And being honest, it was very challenging to pray with faith and expectancy for that miracle later on in that journey the same way it was in the very beginning. But I knew that's what God was asking of me. I knew that's what He was expecting and what He required. And I just... Through that whole process and seeing that unfold, and then she ended up passing, and I don't understand all that. I didn't, don't realize, don't know why that all happened. But I know that in, in that journey, I, I talked with God, I spoke with Him in several times, and he said, Lord, no matter what, I am not going to allow this to deter me from continuing to pray and contend for people to receive healing from this point on. I don't understand that outcome. That is not what I expected. That is not what I thought. But I am not going to back off, lose hope, and stop praying for other people to receive miracles in all the days that I have left. If anything, I'm going to press in. I'm going to believe harder, and I'm going to have more faith and more intensity to seek you for those things that I know and believe that you want to bring to pass. And so I would just kind of end by asking you that question. If that time comes or those moments occur, maybe it's already happened for you. Maybe you've already experienced that. What then? What then? Do we just lay down and die? Do we just roll over? Do we throw in the towel? Or do we trust God and know that He's a good God all the time and He always has good things planned for us? And do we mount up? and strengthen up and gird up our loins, as the Bible says, and begin to press in and have strength in our inner man so that when the day of adversity comes, we will not be found called faint. We will not be called called weak. We will actually be found strong and with strength, intensifying against the things that are coming at us in those moments and in those seasons. Amen? Amen. My prayer for us today is that we would know that persistence and perseverance, much like we see from Jacob in this story in Genesis 32, where God ends up blessing him. He says to him, hey, it's almost daybreak. i got to go. It's, uh, the day is almost up. It, the night's almost over. And Jacob's holding on. He's saying, i got to go. Jacob says, no, no, you're not going anywhere. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And God turns around with a gimp, hip, and a limp, and everything else. And he says, I'm going to bless you because I see your persistence. And that's going to mark you from this day on. You're going to be known as Israel and not Jacob anymore. Yeah. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?